Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Next week, this time, we'll be saying Merry Christmas. I hope that you can make it. Um, we will have uh, two services next Sunday. It's still Sunday, even though it's Christmas Eve. Then we're going to have a 6.30 service um, in the evening. Uh, and it, it, they're different. They're not the same. So you'll, you'll be able to enjoy both. Hope that you'll be able to attend both. And if, you'll, if you're a guest with us today, and this is your first or second maybe time, please fill out the registration, rip it off, put it in the offering plate. Just let us know that you are here. Um, and then if you'll read the details of other things that are happening right now, it's kind of like all Christmas, getting ready for that. So we're glad you're here. Stand, welcome somebody around you to church. Chases the cynical. There's a well for every thirsty soul. Come and dream. On the last breath of a criminal, hear it sung from every hymnal. Oh, he's still working miracles. Come receive. I know it's hard to.
in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. We haven't done this little song in a long time. But because it's Christmas, I just think it fits, you know. You sing it with me. Amazing love that welcomes me. The kindness of mercy that bought with
Father, we are so grateful because you are so good. And Father, I, I know sometimes in this world we see the things that are around us and we don't think it's good, but God, all things are good because you, because of you. And so Father, even in our circumstances and even in the things that we're going through, the season where we may be sad or may have other things going on, Father, let us remember the goodness of who you are because it's in you that all our things are good. Father, as we take up our tithes and offerings and we just ask you to bless it, use it for your kingdom and for your glory. We thank you how you're gonna do what you do with your will. Pray things in your name, amen.
you know, last week I have to come after grace. Now I got to come after this. Uh, and the accompaniment was very nice also. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Very nice. I love strings. I told the first service that, and I mean it. I, um, <clears throat> cello and, and violin, man, I just love it. And I kind of jokingly told her that um, learn some country stuff, and we'll change that from a violin to a fiddle. <clears throat> and she, her Daddy said she already knows some country stuff. So when she gets, when she's got the orange blossom special, we're gonna bring her back. Yeah, but that was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I'm starting a little three-part sermon series today. I told you about it last week about enjoying the rest of your life, and I think we all would like to do that. And um, we're going to be talking about some ways that uh, we can. Today, we're going to be talking about God's part and my part in changing me. Um, I'm not one in 42 years of preaching that felt like I had to always preach a sermon that was tied to the day. Uh, if, it were, if it was Mother's Day, Father's Day, I didn't feel like I had to preach a sermon just that. You know, I, I felt like I just, whatever the Lord leads me, that's what I'm going to do. So next Sunday <clears throat> is Christmas Eve. You, you all know the story. What I want to do is talk about some things that maybe would be um, maybe more appropriate on a different Sunday. But guys, what I want to talk about next Sunday is to you about what real manhood is, because I think that's a vital thing to talk about for your family. Um, and then on the 31st, yeah, that's New Year's Eve too, New Year's Eve, I'm going to be talking about how to conquer complaining as we get ready for the new year for 2024. But today, I love this today, what we're going to talk about about change in our life, how we really can change. Philippians 2 is where we will be. And we'll read it in just a moment. But if I were to ask you, what would you like to change in your life? And you know, I remember, of course, I went to church all the time growing up. And once in a while, you'd hear people get up and give a testimony and say something about, well, Jesus changed my life. Well, I can remember as a teenager wondering well, what does that mean how does Jesus change your life uh, does he do surgery on you does he zap your mind and all of a sudden you're different how does that work and there's been a lot of confusing advice coming out on how God changes us some people their idea is well you just wait on the Lord you just sit back you know and the Lord will zap you one day and and he'll change you and you'll feel it um kind of a passive approach. Other people say, no, you know, um, the Bible says that God helps those that help themselves. Well, number one, the Bible doesn't say that. That is not in the Bible, in case you didn't know that. I think it was um, Ben Franklin that said that, but it's not in the Bible. Uh, their, their attitude is, well, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Um, and so what am I supposed to do in order to grow? In order to grow as a believer, what am I supposed to do? Is it all me or is it all God? 
or is it a combination? And, and Paul deals with this very issue. When it comes to spiritual growth, the fact is God has a part and I have a part. And Paul explains the two phases of that in Philippians 2, verse 12. Let me, I'll get, David, one of these days I'm going to get a cough button. You know how they have on radio? Anyway, Philippians chapter 2, Paul deals with this. Great, great verse. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Two very important things there. Work out, work in. Work out is your part. Work in is God's part. So we are to work out what God is working in. Does that make sense? Now, as we read this and break it down for a moment, you all know this does not say to work for your salvation because that is all by the grace of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it can't be that. These are already Christians to whom Paul is writing, and he's saying you need to develop what you already have. You need to work out the implications. In other words, if you're born again, start growing, you know, and start doing something with your faith. You know, for instance, what do you, you men and women that work out, what do you do in a physical workout? Well, you do a workout not to get a body, but to develop a body, right? Right? Right. When you work out a puzzle, you've got all the pieces there, but you've got to put it together. So Paul is saying under the Holy Spirit, work out these implications in your life. Now notice this. He says, work your, work out your salvation. It is individual. We need to accept responsibility for our growth. As we talked about last week, that everything that comes down out of heaven does not have your name on it. But if you remember the second part was, but there's something that does. God wants you to be doing something. And that is how he works out what, or works out what he's already worked in with your cooperation and your yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, he says something else with fear and trembling. I think that's misunderstood also. That does not mean that we're to be afraid of God as believers. Like, oh, we, we cringe of what God's going to do to us. No. When I looked this up, the best commentary I could find, and I agreed with it, was that you're a part of this family, you're a believer, and, and what you should be afraid of is that you're going to miss out, that you're not going to work it out the way God has worked it in that it has eternal implications. Now, God does not want cookie-cutter Christians. God doesn't want a bunch of clones all walking around. That's why we've got to be very careful of what it means to work it out with fear and trembling. In other words, take it seriously, right? For it is God, what's the next word, who works in you. Do you know what that word work is? That word works in the Greek language is the exact same word that we get energizer. God gives you the power. He energizes you to work out your salvation. Now, there are, having said all that, are you with me so far? 
All right. There are three tools that God uses to work into your life change. And then there are three choices that we need to to, uh, choose in order to make them work out. And what you're going to see is the three and the three are going to be connected when we get there. You'll see that very plainly. So what is God's part in changing me? Three tools that he uses. Number one, he uses the Bible. He uses the Bible. Maybe you've been coming here for a few months and you say, you know, you don't hardly ever let a sermon go by that you don't say something about us being in the Bible. Well, folks, there's, there's a reason for that. And that is that the Bible is everything. That's God speaking to me. When you think about that, there is a, there is a God who is so powerful that at some point in time, in the past. You see, God's not limited by time. God doesn't really, we have it, days and so forth, and he knows that, and he works with us in that. But God doesn't have time. He's eternal, past and present. It's all right there for him. That God created a universe. It wasn't there before. He just spoke it into existence. Trillions of stars. And they're all in a, in a certain orbit that they don't ever collide. He made part of that big old universe, a little old tiny place called the solar system where we live. One of them being an earth of that whole big solar system. That God lives in you. That God lives in you and gives you the power to do what he asked you to do. Now, <clears throat> along with John 3.16... Another 316, to me that's just a, maybe right under that, is um, 2 Timothy 316. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. It is God's way of making us well-prepared at every point. Folks, please, your Bible is not just another book in the religion section of a library. It is the actual Word of God. You want to hear what God is speaking? I'd love to hear God speak. Really? There it is. The Bible. If you want to hear God speak, it changes. Listen, I don't know about you, but it changes my thoughts, and therefore it changes me. So if you want to get serious about change, you've got to get in this book. You've got to read it, and more importantly, you've got to try your best with God's help to live it. And then, you will, and then the more you're going to be changed. And whenever people would say to me, Pastor, I don't know what's going on in my life. You know, I just don't feel like I've got any faith. And the first thing I ask them then is, are you reading the Bible faithfully, regularly? And they say, well, no, no I'm really not right now. Well, then what do you expect? The Bible, the Bible says about itself, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Not from the news, not from a newspaper, from the Word of God. All right, so he uses number one, what, church? The Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit. He uses the Holy Spirit. God puts his Spirit in us. 
And that's where the power comes from to change. And I, I, listen, I'll sit up here and tell you, I wished I knew how to appropriate it more and more and more. But I know it is a truth that God, when I asked Christ to come into my life, he said, okay, and he came in the form of the Holy Spirit. Because as hard as it is to understand, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. And they're all exactly equal in everything. So he gives us the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 in the Phillips translation says, once the Spirit lives within you, he will bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. God will bring power into your life. Again, the Holy Spirit is God himself. And when you commit to him, he comes into your life. 1 Corinthians 3.18, as the Spirit of the Lord works with us, we become more and more like him. Folks, God's number one purpose in my life, and I'm going to tell you this, this takes a, a lot to, to come to grips with. And even at my age, I'm not sure I c I've come to total grips with it. But God's number one purpose in my life is not to make me happy. It's to make me like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you some things about what that means that we may not like in, in a moment. Genesis 1:27. when God first formed the world, he said, let us make man in our image. And folks, he's been wanting to do that ever since. What does that mean? He wants us to become like the image of God and of the Holy Spirit and, and of Jesus Christ. That is his ultimate goal. He wants to change you into his likeness. See, are you with me still? God's ideal is that we would learn how to change by reading his word and believing it. And secondly, he will then give us the power to change through his spirit. So I read it and it empowers me to do it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't always follow the ideal. And so God has a third way to change us when we don't respond to the word or the Holy Spirit, and it is circumstances. Circumstances. What do you mean by that? Problems, pressure, headache, difficulty, stress, bad backs, bad hearts, whatever it may be, get our attention. Now, you know this verse very well. But I want to read it to you and add the second, the, the verse right after it. Romans 8, 28 from the Phillips translation again says, To those who love God and are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits. And this is what I love about it because I love the way he says it. Fits into a what? Pattern for good. For God chose us to bear the family likeness of his son. He chose you to be born again. And he chose you to bear the family likeness of his son. And here, here's what I, when I read that, it's there is nothing that can come into my life without God's permission. And he doesn't say, of course, that everything is good, but he said, I will use it, fit it into a pattern. I like that. The good, the bad, the ugly, he'll fit it into a pattern for good. Now, where are my problems coming from? Did I cause them? Did, did the devil, is he causing them? 
my problems, do they come from God? Here's the thing. It really doesn't matter where my problems come from. No matter what the source is, God can use that if I let him into my life. He can use that, fit it into a pattern. All things fit into a pattern for good to make me like Jesus. Now, are you with me still? Okay. If God is going to make me like Jesus, then he's going to take me through some situations like he went through. Does that make sense? If he's going to make me like Jesus, then I'm going to go through some situations like he went through. I love the fact that the Bible tells me that Jesus was tempted in every single way in every area of life that I could be tempted, only he didn't sin. And when I read that, then I'm thinking, okay, then that means there was times when Jesus was lonely. There were times when he was tempted, tempted to do the wrong thing, but he didn't do it. Tempted to be depressed, tempted in lust, tempted, tempted to be angry, but he never sinned. But... Now, here's the thing. If God allowed Jesus, his son, to go through those things, why would I think he's going to spare me from going through those things? And again, he is more interested in my character than my comfort. Hebrews 5, 8. Jesus learned obedience through what, church? Suffering. So how do you think you're going to learn it? Through suffering. Hebrews 2.10, Jesus was made perfect or mature through suffering. So how do you think you're going to be made mature? He, listen, he, he works first, as we said, through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't work and we don't change, then he'll allow circumstances in our life. You know, for instance, the Bible says that I am to be humble. Well, if, if I read the Word of God and, I, and it says, Lord, be humble, and I don't do it, and I'm on an ego trip, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, no, don't be doing that, and I fight that too, then the Lord is going to allow circumstances in my life in order to humble me. And let me tell you, God's got about 100 ways to humble me, and he's used about half of them up already. See, even if I read the Bible six hours a day, there's 18 that I'm not reading the Bible, but there are circumstances 24 hours a day. And that's what I'm going to learn by. Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. We rarely change until we get desperate. You know, I've said it before. We don't always change when we see the light, but we change when we feel the heat. And when my pain of not changing gets bigger than the pain I'm in because I'm living wrong, that's when I'll change. Otherwise, we, we usually don't. Do something. The Lord says, look, I want you to do something. Don't get stuck in a rut. Amen? All right. So those the things that the, that the Lord uses, those three things. Now, let's watch the parallel in the three choices that I can make to, for that change. Remember, work out what God has worked in. Number one of three choices I can make. One, I can choose what I 
think about. I can choose what I think about. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It doesn't just come passively, you know, sitting back. Change is a matter of choice, and I can choose what I think about, can't I? Folks, that has been one of the hardest things in the world. As that book that uh, Joyce Meyer wrote, there's a battle for your mind. And that is what is going on all the time. And in Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, let me say a little quick statement. I'm going to read it twice. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. Your, your thoughts don't just direct your life. They are your life. And I would tell you right now, I would not want any day of my life, including today, I would not want for everything that I've thought to be on these screens for you to read. And I doubt you would too. I can choose what I think about. Whatever change I want to make in my life, it starts with my thoughts. Are you there? It does, folks. It's up there. Ephesians 4, 23. Your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution so that you can put on the new self that has been created in God's way. Change always begins with new thinking. What is the Bible word for change? Repentance. Repentance. Metanoia, that we, we, we change the way we think. You change your mind. But let me just add to that. The way you know that if you really repented and really changed your mind is that you change the way you're living. Now, see, you don't do the changing of the living first. You change your mind. And that affects the way that you live. Psychologists found this out about 2,000 years late. They discovered that the way I think determines the way I feel, and the way I feel will determine the way I act. So if I want to change the way I act, I need to go back to the thought. Let me give you an illustration. Kind of corny probably, but I like it. It's the illustration of a, of a, a speedboat. I mean, you got a speedboat out there on a good flat gulf day, and you're out there in a speedboat, and you you got that automatic pilot on, and you're going east, and all of a sudden you think, man, I want to go 180 degrees the other way. I want to go west, and that automatic pilot stays on, and you grab the steering wheel. There's, there's a couple of ways you can change it. One of them is you grab that steering wheel. And you physically just fight that automatic, you fight it, and you hold on to that thing, and you get it over here, and you turn it, and you turn it, and you turn it, and you hold on to that, and you keep holding on, and there's so much tension because it wants to go that way, but you're forcing it to go that way, and there's tension galore, and you just all of a sudden, you just let go, and you go off the diet. No. You start drinking again. Pornography. Whatever it may be, what am I saying? Sheer willpower doesn't work 
for long. The Bible says that change starts in the mind. So you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the automatic pilot. You say, I don't, I don't follow that. Pastor, what, what is my automatic pilot? Are you ready? Here's your automatic pilot. Finish this sentence for me. Don't say it out loud, but finish it in your mind and heart. It's just like me to be. It's just like me to be. See, one of the things that we ought to start choosing to think about is God's word. Because Jesus said, Lord, your word is truth. And if you want to change, you start filling your mind with scripture. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who meditates, who meditates on God's word. Philippians 4, 8 says, think on these things. And what were the things that he's listed before? Lovely, pure, honest, good report, you know, all those things. Um, Colossians 3, 6, let the word of God dwell in you richly. I added one in my notes later, Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you begin by thinking God's word, right? The Bible. Number two, connection to the other number two. Here it is. I can depend on God's spirit moment by moment. I depend on God's spirit. Folks, that's where the power comes from. And Jesus gave a great illustration of that in the book of John chapter 15 when he says, you need to take care to live in me and let me live in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him shall produce a large crop of fruit. A branch is totally dependent on the vine, right? I mean, if you could picture a vine, you know, I don't care whatever, whatever you want. I, I like watermelons, watermelon vine. But uh, you could have, if you had a watermelon vine and you got these branches that go out and every one of them forms a big old watermelon, if you take a pair of scissors and you cut that branch off, nothing's going to happen, right? This is going to die. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And, you know, a lot of Christians, we try to add good works to our life rather than staying connected to the vine. So, you know, you go out and you take that vine, you cut it, the branch, and you cut it off, and you try to stick it and glue it back onto the vine. And then about a week before harvest time, you go out and take a watermelon you got from somewhere else, and you stick it up there on there. doesn't work. doesn't work. And that's what the Lord's talking about. That fruit is an inside job. It's something that we have to depend on the Lord for. Now, what does it mean? We hear that too. What does it mean to depend on the Lord? I think it means you look at your prayer life and you look at your reading life and you look at your life of living where you are um, in school, in, in work, wherever your place of business may be. How do you live there? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you there and to deal with people and to deal with problems? You know, one of the things that I've 
been doing now for quite a while is, and yeah, and sometimes I feel like that, um, Lord, it's kind of commonplace, but it's really not. But I just have a running conversation with the Lord. Do you ever done that? Just a running conversation where, I mean, whatever it is, what I think, um, what, what's going on, you know, Lord, thank you for this. And, you know, honestly, Lord, let me find a good park when I get there. I do that a lot. Let me find a park, you know, up close or whatever it may be. Protect my car. Don't let anybody bang it. Things like that. I think that's what it means to depend on him. Totally. All right. So number one is the Bible. Number two is the spirit. Number three, what can I do? I can choose my response to circumstances. God has the resource, his word, I'm supposed to read it. God has the Holy Spirit, I'm supposed to choose to depend on it. God uses circumstances. What can I do there? I can choose how I'm going to respond. James chapter 1. When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the, what's the next word? Process. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you become people of mature character, people of integrity, no weak spots. I circle that word process. You're born again and and it's a process. Now watch this. We've all seen this. Everybody involved in ministry full-time, you see this all the time. Let's say over here is where you and I got saved, and over here is where we're, we're mature. We're living for the Lord over here. We're involved. You know, we've made the changes that he leads. Some people get from here to here a lot quicker than others. And if I could tell you just basically and simply, after watching this for years and years, the reason is because they, they, they read their word, they pray faithfully, and they get involved. And they start ministering somehow. And they move very quickly in here. Some people get saved and they don't do much with it. You know, they, they, they read their Bible a little bit. They, they, they think about obeying the Holy Spirit a little bit. So they get in trouble, then they go right back to, I'm saved, but I'm not living for the Lord. That is how actually you learn to change. So I, I, can, I can choose my response to circumstances. Victor Frankl was a famous psychologist. He was imprisoned in one of the concentration camps in World War II. And he writes about how they, what they did was they, they, they would bring them in by the hundreds, even thousands. And in front of all of the other Jews and all the Nazi soldiers there, they would strip them down totally naked. They would take every stitch of clothing off of them. Shame, unbelievable. And he said they would put that in a pile. You may have seen it. If you've seen any of the shows of the memorials they have over there, they, would, they, would, they stripped off his shoes and they put them in a pile. They stripped off their wedding rings or any other jewelry and they put that in a pile. And he said that I was standing there 
just humiliated, totally naked in front of all these people, everything taken away from me. And I realized there is one thing that they can never take away from me. And that is my response to what they're doing and my faith in the Lord. You Listen, you cannot choose what is going to happen to you next week or today or tomorrow or next year. We don't know that. But right now, I can, I can say this. Lord, with your Holy Spirit help, I can choose that I'm going to respond to that your way. I'm going to try to find your way and respond in faith and trust. I've seen people in the exact same circumstances. And one comes out a, a winner and one comes out a whiner. Same exact circumstances. Proverbs 5, 3, and 4, we can be full of joy. See, that's the message or the series, how do I can enjoy my life? We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. These very things, the trials and troubles, will give us patient endurance, and this in turn will develop a mature character. Character is the ultimate goal to become like him. I'd ask you to bow with me for a moment. The way that God produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, remember that also in Ephesians, I didn't read it, but the fruit of the Spirit, when, I've, uh, when I'm allowing him to work in me and change me is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control, that, those things. How's God going to do that? Lord, how are you going to make me like that? Are you listening? He's going to put you in the exact opposite situation. You want to learn love? Then God's going to put you around some unlovely people. You want to learn joy? You're probably going to have some trouble, tragedies. You want peace? Hey, it's easy to be peaceful sitting on the beach. Peace is learned in chaos. You, you, you want to learn goodness? Well, he'll put you in a situation where you're tempted for badness. You need self-control? He'll take you to a church potluck or have a barbecue place move in next to you. He kind of allows us in the exact opposite situation to help us grow. What do you want to change most in your life? The power comes from God's word and spirit and your choice. But it starts in our heart and our mind. Father, we thank you that yes, we can change. And the answer to what we started with is, it's a combination of both. That God, you work in and we work out. And we thank you for making that plain in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing. Have your own way, Lord. Have, Have thy own, own way. way. You, you are, are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am with 
thank you all so much for being here. And I hope you have a great, great Easter, uh, Easter, Christmas. And I hope to see you next Sunday for Easter Sunday. All right. Good to see you. Yeah.